The EPL show on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by MyBookie.ag. Right now to honor football, MyBookie is offering up to $1,000 in free bets using the promo code SGP. That's right, up to $1,000 in bonus bets on your first deposit when you use the promo code SGP. Play, win, and get paid at MyBookie.ag. The Sports Gambling Podcast Network is also brought to you by Ace Per Head. Ace is the leader in pay-per-head providers, and they make it super easy to start your own sportsbook. Plus, Ace is offering up to six weeks free over at aceperhead.com slash SGP. That's aceperhead.com slash SGP. The Sports Gambling Podcast Network is also brought to you by ExpressVPN. Looking to protect your online activity? Hide your location to avoid local blackouts? Check out ExpressVPN, where you can get three months free at expressvpn.com slash SGP. That's expressvpn.com slash SGP. This is the EPL show here on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Follow the Sports Gambling Podcast Network on Twitter at the SGP Network. Follow me on Twitter at LockBetting and check out my website, LockBetting.com. We are coming off a midweek set of fixtures, the debut of the EPL on Amazon Prime, which was very successful, some very decent games across the board. I also like the staggered kickoff system along with the staggered days with fixtures happening on Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday, although not really evenly distributed because most of them did happen on the Wednesday. But this is why the the show is relatively late. We needed to wait for the conclusion of Thursday's results and they did bring up a massively significant result, which was the Arsenal result. Arsenal are in big trouble uh, I would go as far as to say that they are in the most trouble that any of this uh, this top six have been in I mean I would probably cast Liverpool aside because they haven't really encountered any problems over the last few years where it has been a um, a steady progress and I guess the only um, definitive question for them was whether they could um, continue their title charges season and make the appropriate signings to to challenge but it actually turned out that um, they didn't need to do too much it was Manchester City who um, who had to deal with injuries themselves and, and are suffering from not strengthening their squad whereas Liverpool have been fortunate enough to not have those injuries that's why I don't think the title race is over because the squad's are primarily the same as they were last year, give or take a couple of uh, minor additions. And it's Man City who have suffered an injury crisis, which has allowed Liverpool to sit at the top of the league. And whereas Liverpool, um, you can't discredit what they've done in terms of uh, the amount of points they have, I think City themselves would have kept it a little bit closer. Um, I think a six-point gap would have been retrievable, seeing as last season City recovered seven, especially with Liverpool needing to go to City and Leicester. But... I think that's been the key factor. So I don't think City either are a team in crisis. They should have dealt with their defensive frailties in the summer and they possibly might deal with that in uh, January in terms of 
trying to find a marquee centre-back, but marquee centre-backs are difficult to find in January. I guess the situation at Napoli with all the turmoil there could make Kouabali available to teams in the summer, but um, sorry, in the, in the January window even. But you'd be looking at quite a few guys that would be looking at um, wanting to build their defence and sign a marquee centre-back. And that would include Arsenal in that conversation as well, because Arsenal are a complete mess whereas Tottenham have seemingly made a minor recovery under Mourinho despite losing the last game. Manchester United have um, highs and lows, but um, haven't dropped to the levels of Arsenal. And Chelsea also have had more highs and lows, but they are playing with a team that is clearly designed to... um, to to move things forward at the club, that they're they're deliberately playing with a um, with a younger team here in what is a, probably a transitional season, and to see how many of them can go through and be first team players, and how many additional signings they need to make. Plus, with the big news coming out today, another good reason why we waited. Chelsea are now allowed to make signings in January. The transfer embargo has been decreased, so I don't know whether that'll be a disruption to them or not. Because I personally wouldn't be looking to bring anyone in anyway and just see through this season of um, of giving these youngsters a run in the side and really making the determination as to who is fit to to play in this first team and who's a fringe squad player and how many you need to bring in to challenge for the title. And I don't think it's too many because I think Chelsea are a very good squad and they've got some very good players there. So uh, they themselves have recovered from the, the minor turmoils that they have. But this Arsenal team, man, they are without a win in nine, which is unheard of for them. And they are just looking worse and worse. They got rid of Emery, and now they've got Lundberg in, who looks so out of his depth, it's not even funny. I thought that he would get a performance out of the team last week against Norwich. Picked a very weird team, and um, it's been speculated by even some of his own former teammates that possibly he did this to shock people and when it went right for him he would immediately look like a genius so in terms of making decisions like putting Mustafi back in the team who hadn't played for such a long time had it paid off for him Lundberg would have looked like a um, a tactical genius and people would have been clamoring for him to take the job whereas in turn it turned the opposite way around where where Mustafi was almost responsible for both of Norwich's goals and yesterday against Brighton they looked worse than I've ever seen them play. It's quite clear at this point that the likes of Aubameyang and Lacazette, especially Aubameyang, who's only got a year and a half left on his contract, will be looking for ways out of this club. They should have sold him to Manchester United, possibly in the, in the summer, and just gone with this one striker system because it doesn't fit having Aubameyang and Lacazette in the team. Ozil's another player that doesn't want to be there. Uh, there's too many players that are not good enough. Uh, Arsenal Fan TV is the is one of the best watches out there. I recommend you guys, you football fans, check out Arsenal Fan TV on YouTube. It's an Arsenal fans channel where they've been crying and complaining and just being utterly ridiculous for a number of years. And it mainly started under the regime of, of Arsene Wenger. And many thought that once they finally got Wenger out, that um, the, t- the channel wouldn't have as much material. But Unai Emery has been a provider of sack loads of material. And um, it continues on now with Freddie Lundberg, a legendary player at the club who they've quickly turned on. But I can't really blame them. They looked so poor yesterday. Losing at home to Brighton 2-1 is not an acceptable result. I think the only thread that they were clinging into onto was that they hadn't lost a home game this season despite a plethora of draws. But even that has now gone for them. So 
It's just an utterly poor season and they look like a poor team with a poor record who are going nowhere and uh, they play on Monday Night Football this week so we'll get to that last and talk a bit about talk a little bit about them again we start with another team in crisis but they're not a top six team but they are just on the outside and uh, they've spent enough money to be a top six team and that's Everton Everton are available five to two this weekend to beat Chelsea at home 13 to five the draw and even money on Chelsea I'm making this a, a stay-away game. On paper, you say Chelsea win this, no problem. Everton are in turmoil, and um, they're not going to get anything against clubs inside the top six. They lost 5-2 to Liverpool. They don't have a manager, and Chelsea are in good form. But what they do have is Duncan Ferguson, who's temporarily in charge. Now, he may be able to get that new manager boost out of the players because he's an Everton legend, very well known for being a very aggressive player, played with his heart on his sleeve. And he could be a man that gets a response out of Everton. And if he doesn't, then this team are in more of a crisis than we think. In fact, so much of a crisis that they could be fighting a relegation battle and they could be looking at even bringing in somebody like um, a Sam Allardyce or a David Moyes, <clears throat> somebody from their past, just to get them back to where they were. Forget about future thinking. This, this team just needs to get back to where they were. And we could see that kind of appointment. Although, um, from what I understand, Victor Pereira could be coming in to be the manager. I'm not sure how that'll work. Somebody coming in from Shanghai and a former Porto manager with no EPL experience at all doesn't seem like the kind of appointment you want to make. But for me, that would be where I put my money. He's um, four to one, second favourite in the market. Um, I am a recommending an official play on that, actually, at a quarter unit at least, um, because the name is so far out of left field that it would only be on the list if it was heavily, heavily known inside. Um, coin the phrase, no smoke without fire, no smoke without fire. Therefore, I do think that Victor Pereira could be on his way to Everton, which is not going to be the correct appointment, in my opinion. But in this spot here, um, Duncan Ferguson's the only thing that scares me. If Chelsea do win this game 3-0, you'll be looking at yourself in the mirror and wondering why you didn't take it. Um, also, in terms of new manager bounce, probably would work a little bit better if you weren't loaded with foreign players that actually knew who Duncan Ferguson was. Here you have a, a, a ton of foreign players who've not been playing for Everton anyway. And uh, I'm not sure what kind of bounce you're really going to get. I think this is a bad fixture as well to to come in with. Had it been, had the sacking happened at the right time and uh, a new manager came in, say, for the game at home to Norwich, this may have worked out for them. But here I think they'll still lose in this spot despite that. I, I don't think that I'll be taking it officially in any kind of um, capacity to, to appear on my P&L, for example. But uh, I do like Chelsea in this spot. Up next, you have Bournemouth versus Liverpool, where you're getting a favourable price here in Liverpool. Um, not in terms of Liverpool versus Bournemouth as a regular game, because Liverpool have lost this fixture before. They've lost it from 3-0 up. But in terms of where the teams are at at the moment and looking at the, the situation that Liverpool are in in terms of resting quite a few players and being able to comfortably beat Everton on Wednesday, now they're able to bring people back into the team here in this spot. Uh, away to Bournemouth, a team that haven't won in a long time. So we're looking at Bournemouth here at eleven to two, the draw at fifteen to four, and Liverpool available at eleven to twenty, which is slightly better than minus two hundred. Um, 
I just think this is just another win for Liverpool. I think Liverpool's key goal will be to win out before they lose their players to the World Club Championship. And that's three games away. And um, I would think that Liverpool's would be absolutely intent in winning those games and maintaining this 11-point lead over Manchester City. I don't think games like the... um, like the Carabao Cup are important to them. In fact, so much so, I would expect them to leave um, to leave all of their youth players here to play that game in order to not essentially deliberately get themselves knocked out, but um, I think with a mind to not caring and expecting to be knocked out. In fact, looking through the fixtures, um, this is only Liverpool's predominant fixture before they go away. So they actually only have one more. So it isn't three, it's two. Two games to go. And uh, that will be it. And next week's game against Watford at home will be another one where I expect them to rest a couple of players and still win it relatively comfortably. So this is really it for Liverpool in terms of having any danger of dropping any points before they go into the break. This will be the win that solidifies the eight-point gap over Leicester. And this will be the win that solidifies the 11-point gap over Manchester City. And as I said, getting Bournemouth in this situation with the form that they're in where for some reason they don't even look like they can score any goals for this Bournemouth team and looking at the history of Bournemouth to only have um, five goals in eight games is very very poor they've won one of their last five in the Premier League losing the last three games in a row and um their, over, their overall form is the same as well because um, it matches up because they haven't actually um, managed to stay in the Carabao Cup as well. So they only play Premier League football and you have to go all the way back to the start of the month to find that win against Manchester United. And prior to that as well, that win in itself came out of left field because um, they were going for a patch of nil-nil draws and a one-nil defeat at Arsenal as well. So... It's, uh, it's, it's, it's only that one win, which, as I said, came out of nowhere against Manchester City. But aside from that, they have kind of gone back to this poor losing run or more so run of games without winning games. And um, also, more worryingly, not scoring any goals. Five goals in eight, not Bournemouth-like at all. And um, despite the fact that Liverpool do seemingly concede against everybody in this league... I find it difficult to see Bournemouth going from five goals in eight to now finding two goals in this game against Liverpool. And they will need two goals to win because they always concede two goals. And um, just everything here points to a major play on Liverpool. Up next, you have Tottenham versus Burnley, where a little bit of the shine has come off the Mourinho start. I did expect um, Tottenham to navigate their way towards Christmas Uh, with an unbeaten record and that would have required them uh, not losing to Manchester United and then not losing to Wolves next weekend and the fixture after that isn't listed because I only looked as far as where Liverpool were playing but I will I will find that one for you Uh, 21st of December at home to Chelsea so I would have expected them to see those games out without a loss and the the Manchester United one really did surprise me because that also came out of left field here they go back home to a Burnley team who I think would usually provide more resistance but they also are a team who have lost form and this is very consistent with Burnley they look good at parts during the season 
Um, then they begin to look relatively safe all of a sudden. And then you have these um, these poor run of results. And uh, that's that's the same thing that's happened here. Once again with Burnley, you have a poor run of results. And um, they're back in this uh, situation where they're, they're heading towards the bottom half of the table. The last two games, they've, they've managed to lose 4-2 against City. And, uh, and they lost uh, 3-0 as well. I'm just having a look here. I didn't actually... Um, th- this is odd for me doing the show to not realise this, but I watched Manchester City versus Burnley and um, as far as I was aware, the game finished 4-1 because that's when I stopped watching it. And um, there must have been a very, very late goal. No, in fact, it's a mistake by the betting site that I used. The game did finish 4-1, so... And the betting site I actually use have got the wrong result up for Burnley in the last game, which is which is pretty bad, considering that you're reliant on them to um, provide you with the correct information. Um, prior to that, Burnley had a, uh, a 2-0 home defeat against Crystal Palace. And um, looking beyond that as well, they uh, they didn't have that three nil home three uh, nil win at Watford, which was a surprise. And uh, and then prior to that, a three nil um, win against West Ham. So as you saw, as I'm saying, they were looking good. And then prior to that, a three nil defeat at Sheffield United. So this is this is the thing. They they they're very very up and down. They've um, they've won two of their last six and um, have looked good in doing so, winning both of those 3-0. But in their defeats, they've conceded a ton of goals, which didn't used to be like Burnley. So 4-2 against Chelsea. Um, running through here again, 3-0 against Sheffield United. Then they come up with a 3-0 win against West Ham. Then they come up with a 3-0 win against Watford. Then they go back to, you can see where I'm going with this, and then they go back to a, um, a, a 2-0 home defeat against Crystal Palace, which is the only game here which wouldn't count as a um, as an over 2.5, and then the 4-1 against Manchester City. So the bet here for me, other than taking Tottenham, would be to take Tottenham and over 2.5. It's actually an official play that landed for us last weekend in the game where, um, where Tottenham played against Bournemouth and... Um, I think Bournemouth were a more worrying proposition there, surprisingly, than than, um, than Burnley are, because historically, Bournemouth have been a far more high goal, a high, a high more, a higher scoring team. Sorry, I'm doing this show so early on on a Friday morning. I don't think I've woken up yet. I've not had water or coffee or anything, so it's a little bit more uh, stuttery, uh, stuttery and stats. Can you say that right? Stuttery and stammery than I than I usually am. But um, here in this situation. Um, I like the goals and I like Tottenham to win similarly to last week the thing is is that with the prices here you can actually divide that up and get value on both and take it as singles and I would always prefer singles over to parlays not really a, a parlay person unless the spots are separated and uh, same game parlay especially not really a lover of that but um I do like taking parlays maybe across two days. For example, um, the six o'clock game in NFL parlayed with a, a nine thirty game in the NFL because it does give you an opportunity to opt out or hedge. Whereas things running at the same time simultaneously doesn't doesn't really give you that. But here you've got um, Tottenham at one to two to win this game against Burnley, and um, 
You've got Harry Kane to score and Tottenham to win here at 6-5. to five. There's value on that. I do think Kane will continue scoring under Mourinho. I do think Deli Ali will continue to score under Mourinho as, as well. And uh, you've got the over 2.5 goals, which is available at 4-6. to six. It's a very good price based on the, um, the, the current uh, runner results that Burley are having. Putting those two teams together, putting those two selections together, you get 11-10 to 10 on Tottenham and the over 2.5 goals. But too long on that game, so it's not important. Um, up next, you've got Watford versus Crystal Palace, where this is important only really for Watford, although Palace temporarily did get themselves into fifth place on Tuesday, which is a monumental achievement, especially since they beat a Bournemouth team where they played with 10 men for most of the game, which again sort of um, adds weight to the argument that Bournemouth are pretty poor at the moment. Um, Watford are 13 to 10 favourites, 23 to 10 to draw, and 21 to 10 on Palace. Why are Watford favourites? I understand that um, they're at home here and in desperate need for wins, but they've been desperate all season and they've not been getting the wins. And they also sat a manager who I thought would keep them up and a manager that's quite popular with the players and the supporters who didn't get any time here to fix things. And um, the next result they had was a 2-0 defeat against Leicester. Leicester played as poorly in that game as I've seen them play. And bear in mind... That was the lock on this show. And bear in mind also that we, we, we had it in two different situations. Because if you remember last time at the end of the show, I ended up giving out three or four official plays. I, I recommended, highly recommended taking Leicester on the minus one Asian handicap. But I locked up Leicester and Liverpool and the, the two teams together in a parlay because I told you I couldn't see any other results. But the two of them winning and that did end up coming to fruition. But... Leicester ended up being a sweat. As, as, as good as 2-0 looks in the end and everything cashed because my clients also had the minus 1.5 as well. So we had an excellent week gambling on the EPL. But um, it was tight and it doesn't matter sometimes how you got it done. But we were looking at, um, before James Madison scored five minutes into injury time, we were looking at basically a break-even night. Uh, we were looking at Liverpool and the over 2.5 goals coming in for us. We were looking at winning Leicester on the money line. We were looking at winning the Leicester-Liverpool double. We were looking at pushing the Asian handicap, losing the minus 1.5 and losing a play that we had on Tottenham. But all of a sudden, the uh, the goal from uh, Madison completely changed the whole complexity of, uh, of our evening and the way that that result looked for Leicester. But, but I'll tell you this, Leicester didn't play well. And I don't know whether that's down to, to Watford making an extra effort or not, but... Uh, in, in, in that sense, if that was Watford's best effort and they still got beaten relatively comfortably because they never looked like winning the game or, or even drawing it uh, because it did look inevitable that Leicester would break through, then I'd be, I would be worried. And here, coming against a Palace team in form, especially a team that plays so well away from home, I think Watford is the absolute um, the absolute fade of the week here. And, and, and the dog play for me is a no-brainer. It's going to be Palace. Looking at the main game on Saturday and the main game of the week is Manchester United versus Manchester City at Manchester City. So Manchester City versus Manchester United, actually. Um, one to three on City, 17 to four the draw and 15 to two on United. This is hard because United are really showing up in these situations. And whereas when you look at the teams on paper, um, and the way United are playing uh, most of the time and conceding got five goals between them, between uh, Sheffield United and, and Aston Villa, then you would think they're going to get tonked here. 
but then they were very tight against Tottenham and, and didn't let them breathe or do anything. And uh, they got up for the game because they were playing against a top six team and they were playing against a former manager, which almost makes you feel like they're doing their fans a disservice by deciding when and where they turn up. And uh, this could be one of the situations here where Manchester United do turn up. I'm not expecting them to win this game, but I am expecting bets like uh, Manchester City to win and both teams to score to come through at... Um, at seven to four uh, and two to one in some places, because I do think that Manchester United are going to find the net here for sure, uh, especially with the form that Rashford's in. I also like Man United on the on the handicap here at plus two, which is Manchester United to avoid a, a defeat by more than two goals, because I do think that they'll come here and play in the spot. And although getting anything out of this may be a stretch too far, um, I, do, I do think that they'll they'll come up here and put up a, a relatively decent showing as they've done against other teams in the top six, including beating Tottenham, um, including drawing against Arsenal, who aren't really a top six team anymore, uh, beating Leicester at Old Trafford, and um, what one am I missing? Beating Chelsea by four goals to nil, and getting the draw at home to Liverpool, which is um, the only points Liverpool have dropped. So, yeah, it's um, it, it's all there. All the evidence is there that Manchester United are trying harder against better teams, which is, uh, as I said, a bit of a disservice to their supporters. <laughs> Moving on to this Sunday game, 2 o'clock, Aston Villa versus Leicester, where the bookies are making this look cut and dry. It's 21-10 to 10 on Villa, 14-5 on the draw, 4-5 on Leicester. Going to make a bold prediction here, and I'm going to say that Leicester drop points here. Um, because they have looked significantly worse across their last two games. They scrapped past Everton, needed a late goal, didn't really turn up for the first half there, and didn't turn up for the first half either against Watford. Um, teams are now giving them more respect, so we're seeing more defensive formations. Uh, this is a Midlands derby, which immediately... Um, adds a little bit more spice to it. Villa are playing well, coming off a draw at Old Trafford and then a 2-1 defeat against Chelsea in a game that they were banging throughout and looked very good in that game. And uh, Villa compete. Villa compete against everybody. And um, unlike some of the teams in the bottom half, they're not overawed by the Leicester team lineup. They would have representation here in this combined 11. They, uh, Tyrone Mings would get into the team. Jack Grealish would get into the team. Um, Louise, uh, Douglas Louise is a, is a decent player in central midfield. Wesley is proving to be a, a competent striker, and although very different to Jamie Vardy in terms of he's a finisher and Wesley likes to hold the ball up. Now, I'm not saying that Wesley gets in or Douglas Louise, but I'm saying that Grealish and Mings do give you representation, and a, a few of the calls on the pitch are close. Um, Leicester are who they are and they've done what they've done this season but Aston Villa aren't a million miles apart from Leicester Aston Villa next season could be a top half seat a top half team and uh, I especially like them at home here not really in an underdog spot but we're getting them at plus money on the double chance and I think that possibly would be the way I go with this one because I don't think this Leicester team is just going to con continue to keep winning they're not Man City and Liverpool and uh, I do think eventually they'll, they'll, they'll fade out of this title race and um and finishing the top four for sure because um, I don't see a challenge coming from Manchester United or Tottenham and, and especially not Arsenal and um, or anyone else outside there like Wolves up next you've got Newcastle versus Southampton where Newcastle are coming off winning yet another away game these are like two informed teams here in the Premier League um, surprisingly because Southampton have won back to back as well and it would be unfair now to to call this a relegation battle on the basis of the um, 
the recent results that they've had. Um, just moving on to getting this updated. Um, Newcastle are available at six to four here. It's nine to four to draw, and it's fifteen to eight on Southampton. Uh, yeah, as I said, both coming into this with back-to-back wins. Uh, sorry, both coming in with back-to-back good results. Southampton coming in with back-to-back 2-1 wins. Uh, Newcastle coming into this off uh, what is almost better than a win. They had the win at Sheffield United 2-0, and then they had the 2-2 home draw against Manchester City where they competed throughout. If they turn up and play equal to that, then they'll win this game against Southampton. Personally, I like the price here on the draw. 6-4 Newcastle, 9-4 to to draw, and 15-8 to Southampton. I can see this one being a draw here um, because Newcastle are, again, another one of those teams that um, overperform in situations where they are hefty underdogs. And uh, this will be a confusing one for them in terms of whether they pay Southampton enough respects to um, to park their bus and uh, play a counter-attacking game here or whether they um, try to appease their supporters and be more eye-pleasing and go straight out for the win. Um, so it's a, it's a difficult one to call, which is why I'm sort of leaning towards a, a, a draw here in this one because I think it gives you good value for a game that's tough to call. Norwich versus Sheffield United is next. When Norwich are the 15 to 8 underdogs, it's 12 to 5 the draw and it's 11 to 8 on Sheffield United. Sheffield United are coming off a um, a rare Thursday Sunday dichotomy which usually only happens to the Europa League teams. Um so um in this situation the the teams that played on those days Brighton who beat Arsenal um, Newcastle, who won away to Sheffield United, Sheffield United here at Norwich, all get to play on the Sunday. But I still think it's um, a bit of a disadvantage still for some reason. Um, Sheffield United here coming off a loss, 11 to 8 favourites to win at Norwich. Norwich 15 to 8 underdogs coming off a 2 1 defeat against Southampton and a uh, 2 1 win against Arsenal and a 2 0 win at Everton. So Norwich have made a <coughs> little mini revival here. Um, people like Todd Cantwell are starting to play well again and maybe worth fancy consideration. And I like Norwich here to to spring an upset. They were the team that came up higher than Sheffield United last season. The two teams are relatively similar. And last season, there wasn't even a debate. If these two teams had played, uh, Norwich was significantly the better team last year. And I think when these two teams see each other, They'll know that. They'll know that basically there's pretty much the same players on the pitch. And this Norwich team were promoted far more easily and far more convincingly and were expected to perform far better than the Sheffield United team. And I think just seeing each other again on the pitch is kind of going to bring that to light. And I think uh, Norwich are another very good underdog this week along with Crystal Palace. Two games to go. Brighton versus Wolves is next, where Brighton are 13 to 8 here. 21 to 10 to draw and 9 to 5 on Wolves. Tough games to call here. Both teams coming off wins. Um, Wolves, as I alluded to on the last podcast, are drawing a lot of games. And uh, as this is quite difficult to call, I would lean towards another draw here. If I was to take anything, I would take Wolves here at the underdog price. I, I just don't think. Wolves lose um, set up to lose a lot of games the the manager has only lost two games all season it's um, it's imperative for them to avoid defeats and, and win games if they can and uh, they're just very very difficult team to beat and I think looking man for man how many Brighton players are getting into this Wolves team possibly Dunk and that's possibly it 
and um, that I think speaks volumes for the um, the situation here and um, the, the pricing being a little bit wrong and skewed and therefore I would lean towards Wolves winning this game here and certainly Wolves on a double chance and, and possibly even draw no bet there is there is value this week in the underdogs and um, sometimes I'm accused from steering away and making very safe plays and when I do my lock at the end of the show it's going to be the same case again um, although it hasn't been throughout the season remember we, we did start quite poorly this season uh, going two and making a two and five start and that was perhaps from picking far too many things deliberately going for stuff at plus money and evens uh, we had a lot of um, involvement with Bournemouth at the start of the season as you recall and or, or taking uh, Bournemouth to win on the opening day against Sheffield United at, at, um, at around about evens and then taking Aston Villa to beat Bournemouth at, um, at a at big plus money odds at the start. So we, we kind of strayed away from that because we were forcing it. But if I was to go with, um, I'm not going to go with a plus money lock this week, but if I was, there is a lot to go by. Wolves have a great shot at Brighton. Palace have a great shot at Wolves and, um, and Norwich are a good, good home dog against Sheffield United. There's value in the Premier League this week. It's um, it's well worth looking at a betting package here over at lockbetting.com because I do think this is going to be a, a profitable weekend. In addition to that, you do have the European show as well. And also we're coming off landing three lock plays on the last podcast, which has really helped our, uh, our lock record this season, uh, which stands at 16 and 9. So finally, I think we did most of our talking about them at the start of the show. And uh, it's Arsenal traveling to West Ham, where West Ham have had more rest by one day. Uh, but that's merely an NFL thing. We, we don't get banged up in football too much. Um, I think this, this for me is more about how poor Arsenal look like, look and um, really don't look like beating anyone. And uh, yet they're even money favorites here again. Uh, or oh, sorry, uh, 19 to 20 and um, even money best price, but mainly odds on in places. Three to one the draw. At a massive twelve to what, uh, twelve to five on West Ham, who have already beaten Manchester United at their home ground this season, and uh, here in this situation, why oh why do you take Arsenal? Last season they lost this game to West Ham by a goal to nil. I was at that game. They they did not look good. They've not looked good in any of their away games under Unai Emery. Now all of a sudden, what they're going to win away from home under Freddie Lundberg, who lost to Brighton at home ruining Arsenal's home record and then failed to get a result last week against Norwich even though that was a prime spot where players probably would have played for him there's absolutely no reason to take Arsenal here and this is the fourth underdog that I think could bark this weekend so that's Palace um, that's Aston Villa as well against Leicester that's Palace that's Aston Villa that's uh, Norwich that's uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers at Brighton and it's West Ham uh, against Arsenal underdogs all over the shop here this weekend so as I said lockbetting.com let's see how we play and we will be looking to pick out the best bets here in terms of what we do this weekend but I can guarantee you there will be um a host of plays here on the EPL because I, I like this week and uh, the same can be said for the European games and of course the European show will be out early this week because of the Inter-Roma games a lot of controversy over that with it being labelled as uh, Black Friday and uh, the newspaper headline with the cover of Smalling and Lukaku on the cover ridiculousness from the Italian press especially given the criticism that they've come under for racism so uh, we'll talk more about that on the, on the European show the European show where the locks this season are 
at 16 and 3 for the season. So that show is doing exactly what it did last year, which is absolutely killing it. And um, let's hope that we can kill it again this week with our EPL stuff. Lockbaiting.com for your official picks. The official lock, which you get for free on this show, is going to be Liverpool. Um, situation too good. Bournemouth looking poor, five goals and eight. Liverpool looking strong. The last real tough spot that they have before they go off to the World Club Championship. The game next week at home to Leicester is an auto is an automatic win. And the Carabao Cup game where they play against Aston Villa is going to be a youth team youth team team where they will be looking to get eliminated for that competition not on purpose but they will be expecting the elimination of themselves so I think this is the real spot where where you take Liverpool the underdogs there's so many to choose from um, Palace were my, my favourite but that's a very very tight lean ahead of Norwich and Wolves and um, as I said of course Villa and West Ham could bark as well this weekend and for the parlay real simple just put Liverpool Liverpool, Tottenham, Man City together this weekend. Uh, although I do like Man United to to turn up in that game, I don't think they'll turn up to the point where they'll be able to get a positive result in terms of coming away with anything. Um, so, I mean, that, that one for me will not be an official parlay. I'll tell you that off the bat. It's just... Um, too many risk factors there, especially adding... While, while I do expect all of them to win, I, I, I can just see something going wrong. And the one I see... The least going wrong with is the Liverpool game, but um, with Tottenham, we saw signs of perhaps Mourinho hasn't quite fixed anything, and Burnley are a very up and down team. And with with Manchester City, of course, as I said, Man United turning up in big spots, but uh, which could damage that one. So that's that's a parlay. Uh, I say that's a parlay in terms of uh, me giving one out to follow the format of the show because the format of the show. Is copied from the NFL Pick Show. It's a format set out by the Sports Gambling Podcast, and I'm obligated to follow that format. Therefore, that's why I always finish out with a lock dog parlay, despite the fact that sometimes I may not like that, and I'm often not advocating that play specifically. And here in this situation, it's the same. Um, that whiz is my parlay, but that's not me advocating the play on that. What I am advocating is that you head over to lockbetting.com this weekend and get yourself a, a, a betting package and see how we uh, how we play out these underdogs this weekend because as I said they will be barking and of course the European show and of course Anthony Joshua versus uh, Andy Ruiz Jr. there is a podcast up a new edition of the fight show with myself and my guest Jeff Cohen who is a former boxer and boxing expert collectively we've won so much money over boxing over the years sometimes we say that the extension in Jeff's house was bet from betting on boxers to win on points um, it's an inside joke what we have but it's probably not a joke it probably has some legitimate credibility uh, based on how much money we've won on boxing so make sure you check out the fight show that's it from me in this edition of the EP show i'll be back next week good luck with all of your bets as always and thanks for listening
It's finally spring, and I'm saying goodbye snow, hello adventure. And during the Honda Dream Garage Spring Event, you can get epic deals on your favorite Honda model. Ready to get rugged? Then take the off-road in an all-wheel drive Honda SUV, like the CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, or redesigned Ridgeline. Want to take a spring road trip? Then check out a fuel-efficient turbocharged Civic or Accord. Say goodbye to winter and hello to a new Honda. Don't miss huge savings during the Honda Dream Garage Spring Event. Now at your local Honda dealer. I'm flinging myself into spring cleaning. I'm going to fling into spring at Total Wine and clean up on Chardonnays and fruit-flavored vodkas at low prices. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, always low prices. Total Wine and more.